Welcome to the Wealth and Business Podcast. Another great episode here today as we interview Aditi, who is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur all the way from India. And she's doing amazing things as an entrepreneur and she's rise from a corporate career into becoming an entrepreneur and also one of India's most sought after entrepreneurs. So without further ado, I want to welcome you, Aditi, to this Wealth and Business podcast episode how are you doing today i'm doing so good daniel and thank you so much for having me on this podcast great great for those who don't really know you who who is aditi and you know how did you rise from being in the corporate industry to becoming an entrepreneur who i am is a question i ask myself every day so i don't know how to answer that uh, but uh, but yes uh, i do identify myself as being an entrepreneur and uh, i never thought i'd become one so that's something that you know everybody out there should know i was yeah. quite happy at my corporate career uh, i was working for an uh, venture capital fund i had done my mba from from a great college so i went to duke uh, university in the us and uh, you know i was all set to just pretty much continue down that path uh, but then what happened was that you know we had invested in a company uh, about we had invested about 50000 pounds and suddenly the entrepreneurs decided that they didn't want to run the venture anymore so uh, we had a choice uh, we could either shut it down or i could step in and take the roles of an entrepreneur and that's exactly what i did because uh it was in the travel startup space and i love traveling so i thought it was something that i could uh do something that i like to do so i just sort of stepped in and said let me see how i can take this forward so no entrepreneurial background till then um and quite happy in my corporate career i really didn't know what i was signing up for honestly wow amazing so i really see how you turned diversity how you turned you know a challenge that could have actually ended that you know you know that 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 organization having invested 50000 pounds and you stepped in you see a lot of uh, a lot of females right a lot of women who are out there you know i i respect a lot of women i'm married to a wife i've got a daughter and this one they always say right it's so important that you know you guys play a massive role in the lives of every single man in fact in the life of every you know economy without the women you know there is no economy and i respect women a lot and i say this all the time you you guys are the foundation and you just turning that situation into say you know what i'm just going to go and do it and since 2014 your business has literally grow and grow and grow and grow and some reason some other females as well could have actually just said you know what it wasn't for me let's close the business and they continue on that part but how did you how did you literally just you know step into it and obviously taking your business to one of the most talked about businesses in india today so uh, first like i said i didn't know what i was stepping into maybe if i'd known or if i'd been a second time entrepreneur but no that's that's not true i have uh, i have been an entrepreneur and now i don't think i can go back to the job uh, yeah. so i think i'm more of a i'm more of a yes person i like challenges honestly i also did not want to remain in the venture capital industry because uh, being on the other side is pretty boring right i mean mm. you're um, 
there is no execution as such right you're just meeting people you're gauging if you want to invest in them it's all very consulting sort of life where you're making appraisal notes and excel sheets and powerpoint presentations there isn't any realism to it and when i stepped into be an entrepreneur what i love about it and what i still love about it is that uh, you're actually creating something and you can see something very small grow yeah. and yeah. that is the most beautiful thing that you can really think of and going back to your point of how we are pivotal in in everyone's life that is also one of the reasons right because um we are we are attached we are passionate we like to think do things a little differently we are uh take away of success is not just having a business but also having a family having a child and looking at it, everything in a very holistic fashion so while i would say that the being an entrepreneur is a million times tougher than being in a corporate job um and let me tell you i had terrible and really tough times during my journey with we resorts but uh it gave me so much learning and it gave me so much satisfaction that i don't think i can go back to now making ppts and excel sheets and if it if nothing happens in front of your eyes if you're not able to see change happening in front of your eyes i don't think uh, i'm interested in it so i'm very on ground focused very execution focused and i think these are key skills i mean skills which uh, will be valued at any workplace and which i never even knew about when i was working i never even knew about these things so the learning scale is too high and if you are even a slightly curious person uh, you would really really enjoy it uh, wow. of course there are other consideration as well uh, women do like the flexibility uh, they do like calling their own timings and so on and so forth but to be very honest when you're building a startup those things are not in consideration you're spending more time you're giving more effort actually rather than less so in the initial years are definitely more tough than being in a corporate job you know you 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 mentioned right here you know in the beginning of it you you just you just didn't know what to do you never probably never thought you would still be standing you know 8 years later or you know just on the 9 years later you still be standing because it was just something that happened to you and when it happened to you you had to step in now let's look at this conversation from two perspective for our listeners number one is you didn't have the set of skills that was required but you had invested 50000 pounds and all of a sudden now the business was about to pack up what was your mindset thinking in stepping into this business without no skill without no experience you've been in the corporate industry for a while what gives you that sort of will you know that you felt okay i can come in and i think i can make a change and you've run this now for over 8 years and it's done absolutely well what would your mindset like you know because a lot of you know i use my wife as an example my wife has been in the corporate industry for 25 years and god bless her she just you know um, she resigned to join our business last year so april this year will be by a year and she's still in that transitioning from the corporate life into being an entrepreneur so there's still some certain things that are quite confusing to her because an entrepreneurship mindset is you've got to get up and do it whether you like it or not you've got to make you've got to bring the money in whether you like it it's like you don't have a choice so is it that you win or you yeah. die what one is it going to be but for you 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 were able to make this transition when 
somehow, no disrespect to females, but a lot of females would go back, just, you know, say, oh, I can't deal with all this headache. But however, let's either sell it. Let's just give it away. Let's find a, a, a male, you know, who can come in because entrepreneurship is not for me. What was your head? Where was your head at? Okay, so um, no, I never, I never really thought of saying no. Um, I was very curious to see what happens. Of course, uh, the people who put me there, you know, there, there was a whole board. We were an invested company already. Uh, there were VCs uh, who were present. Uh, I think their comfort, the way that they gave me comfort that, you know what, don't worry, we are there, we run businesses, and we're just going to teach you how to do it. Mm. So there is this whole uh, debate about can entrepreneurship be taught? Okay, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a really good example uh, at that. Uh, I may not have great risk-taking ability, uh, and I still don't, by the way, I still don't. Uh, I still don't. Uh, think about putting all my eggs in one basket or something like that. So I still don't have great risk-taking ability. Uh, but at the same time, the skills were literally taught to me. Um, and honestly speaking, uh, I did have the comfort of the mentors and the advisors and the board that they will be with me and we will be sort of running the company together even though the face of the company would be me. And that really did happen, honestly. Um at some, after some point, it really got irritating also, let me be honest. But in those initial years, it was critical. It was really important that, um, you know, that, that they, 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 they were there with me. And, and we talk about this all the time, that there is an importance of a mentor and an advisor and the, and the board of directors. And that is very important even now. So while you would think that an entrepreneur is completely alone or completely, you know, like you said that you know we have to bring the money in and that that is a fact that uh, it's totally our responsibility uh but but i did have this band of people who were with me and so i felt very confident because they were so confident they were confident they said no you know what you'll do it and when somebody says stuff like this that you'll do it you do do it you know it's it's a there, there is a concept called uh, you know NLP uh, neuro linguistic programming I don't know if you've heard of it but uh, that is one yeah it's a well known technique everybody uses it and that's where people say that when you want something to get done say that you're going to do it don't say you're going to try don't say you might be able to do it be very clear just say you will do it and when somebody says you will do it you really believe them and you you think that yeah i am going to do it and now i'm going to prove them right so um i, I don't recall who said that but another um i think one of the ceos of the fortune 500 companies maybe jeff Bezos, i don't know who said that but they said uh, we had to do it because our friends believed in us so much that we said okay now we just got to do it so that was really where my headspace was at that time. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, I did not uh, plan or I did not really have uh, experience that I have now. Um, and so it was not an easy journey at all because at some point of time, the investors then start playing the investor role and will move away from being your mentors. You will have new investors. You will have new set of responsibilities. And one mistake which I did really make, and uh, you know, I talk about it a lot, which is that I was a sole founder. And in fact, uh, during a time of about 2010, 2014, uh, there were very few entrepreneurs in India, women entrepreneurs who had been funded. 
Okay, and I happen to be one of them. And uh, during this time, I see most of these entrepreneurs are all single founders. And we never really realized the need for a co-founder who would be able to shoulder and help. So just like you said that, you know, your wife has joined, I think it would be critical and it would be very important because at a certain point of time when you start scaling and that's when life becomes really tough. Uh, it's when you start scaling and when you start really monetizing is when you need others to shoulder responsibility. Because otherwise, as the founder and as the CEO, you are pretty much responsible for everything. So if yes. the sales vertical fails, you can't go back to you and say, my salesperson wasn't good. Not our problem. It's your problem. So everything is, you know, comes on to our, on to our head. Wow, wow, wow. I really, I really, really love how you said that everything else really comes on our head. And when you start to monetize, you mentioned there, it is the rest is the responsibility of the CEO. And somehow this is something that a lot of a lot of partners sometimes when they get into businesses, some this is something that sometimes they don't understand, you know, as a startup. Because obviously you have the startup business, you have the growing business, and obviously you have the 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 the, the, the striving business before you have the thrive. So now let's kind of really deep down. You know, you've been put in this situation where you had to take over this business. How did that affect you in terms of being a mother or being a wife or, you know, being, you know, being in a situation whereby you have that responsibility as a woman? Because the woman's responsibility is being ordered this. A woman is a nation. A woman is the foundation. A woman is the bedrock of every home. All right. A woman's role in the family it's like managing that managing a family is bigger than managing managing a business. And that is one of the largest role of a woman. And in where I come from and how I've been brought up and how I've been raised, a woman plays such a vital role, making sure everyone is okay. How did that have an impact making that transition where you are, you know, you are in the corporate world and now you're not having to lead your team. You're not having to obviously not let the team who said, believe in us we're there with you we're going to do this together regardless of how it's going to be how did you manage in this all combination because i think this is quite going to be important for the audience especially for myself um if i'm quite right i think currently uh, before now i think 60 percent of my you know of my clients in terms of my coaching program where i coach people how to build wealth 60 percent were females and if I'm right, I think it stands at 50-50 now. So 50% of probably a lot of our audience are females as well. And I really want you to kind of dig deep into this. How did you manage the family, manage your new venture, and having that transition? How did you deal with these three combinations? So look, I mean, uh, you know, everyone has that 24-hour window to do what they got to do, right? Um, And honestly, I mean, I would be doing a disservice if I say that, oh, it's very simple and you can manage everything. You actually can't. Mm. Okay. So the answer is that I didn't manage everything. That is the answer. Uh, I was so focused on managing my company that everything else had to take a backseat and there were other people who were responsible for that particular vertical during that time. So... Uh, you know, and these are pre-COVID days. You remember, you got to be in the office. If you're not in the office, your team's not in the office. And you remember that world as well before COVID happened and things could happen remotely. So we had to just be there, right? 
Um, so here's how I managed uh, to do it. Um, you know, in fact, I built a, a, my home, which you can see at the back. This is my office. Uh, yeah. We actually built it during the time I was building my company. So oh. that whole um, that whole vertical was actually managed by my husband. Um, and uh, thankfully, you know, before I got into V Resorts, uh, he was in an investment banking role. Which was crazy, as you can imagine, you know, the top five, the big five, he was in one of those companies. And you can imagine that it would be very hard to do anything when you're there because you're working 17, 18 hours a a day, right? Yes. Uh, But thankfully, he had left that. uh, And he was also trying to figure out what to do himself. And then he had this one year hiatus where he could really focus on making the home. And mm. I remember I had nothing, no, um, not even a little bit of, uh, maybe I just saw the architectural drawings when they were made, but I yeah. could not devote any time to figure out how the room should look, what the light should be like. And so when the home got made and it took like a couple of years to get made, the entire yeah. structure and everything had been done by my husband and I had no mm. say in it. Okay. That took a backseat. Um, of course, the easiest thing that takes a backseat is friends. So social life always takes a backseat. And that is something which I feel is okay. I don't see that yeah. as a problem. Uh, that's okay. And uh, with, where my son was concerned, he was, um, uh, look, about what, eight odd years ago. So he was about six, seven years old. All right. Um, and uh, he was in junior school and things like that. So... Uh, the entire vertical of looking after his food or looking after his schedule, looking after his uh, plan was managed by my mother and my mother-in-law. So my mother doesn't work full time and she used to be home during the day. My mother-in-law is a doctor, so she used to work in the day, but come back early and then take care of my kid. So I literally wasn't there. And that is the answer that it is very tough and you do have to, um, you know, you will be giving up certain aspects of your life to build this out. And especially in my case, see, because in my case, I always had a set of bosses who were above me. I had the board, I had the investors. So I always was answerable to them. And it wasn't like I'm the CEO and I know what I'm doing. Now, of course, I'm very smart and I know exactly how to play it. But at that time, I didn't. So I always took the mentors and the advisors to be my bosses. In um, You know, I, I don't know what else to call them at that time. Um, and if they would tell me something, I would focus on delivering it. And that yeah. would be my priority. So not the vacations, not the, um, you know, no homework doing with the kid, no no feeding, no taking care of his schedule, um, no building the home or doing anything else, no social life. So you take from it what you will. But the fact of the matter is, especially initially when you don't have the skills, I feel I do better now because I feel I do have the skills so I can work smarter. But there I just had to work hard. I was really working hard and that's all I did. I put in all my effort into that. So, uh, and it took away and, and, You've got to be okay with that. Wow. I love how you said that. It took away a lot from you, but you had to be okay with that. Wow. Because I speak to a lot of females, uh, you know, as a coach and as a mentor. And one of sometimes when I'm trying to coach people and to bring them up to that speed, one of the things I say to them is somehow you just got to get it done. 
right? Because you, first of all, made the choice to want to build wealth. You, first of all, made the choice to want to be successful. You, first of all, made the choice to want to make that transition. You can't be in the middle of the ocean now and say you want to turn back. When you've already done the hard work of making that first mental transition to saying, okay, I'm going to go in and become an entrepreneur, it will be challenging. It will be tough. It will have an impact in your relationship. It will have impact even with your children. But you just got to have a way to understand that the results in future would obviously uh, be something that your family, your husband would end up being proud of. Because it is tough. No jokes, right? It's, isn't it? It is very tough making that transition as a female entrepreneur because you, uh, there's a lot that is being expected of you even as a husband, right? I remember when I, I've always been an entrepreneur. My wife has always been in the corporate industry. For me, one of the reasons why I'm so excited, I'm so happy now that my wife doesn't work for anyone except she works for the business that we built together. Yeah. You know, the fact that she, you know, she, she didn't have to wake up in the morning, rush out and then come back home very, very late. Now, she can tell me, oh, I don't want to go work tomorrow, you know, and I want to work from home. But in the last one year, and, you know, a transition is happening and she's learning and learning and learning. But one of the things that gives me joy is the fact that she doesn't have to do that anymore because when she was in the corporate industry, it was very hard for our relationship. And a lot of people can't cope with it because you're working hard. You're trying to make, you're working so hard and there is that separation and then you think when you come into a business, it could be, you know, you're not going to work that much. And then you then also realize that actually, yes, in as much as you can now be in the space and have that time, but you still have to work more, right? Because it's your business now. You've got to work two times more. Even maybe, depend, you could even work 10 times more than you've ever worked. But now the fact that you have the freedom to do what you love, all right. But you still have to work. And it's so important that that transition phase, you know, our female entrepreneurs should understand. Yes. No one is going to tell you, you know, what we're saying. A lot of people are probably not going to you know, say what we're saying and say, oh, it is tough. But embrace the fact that it's better for it to be tough as you've been a female entrepreneur than to embrace in a career or in the professional world that it's tough and you're busy building something else. So I really want to kind of just dig that out from what you, you, you said. Now, let's talk about your successes. So making that transition, you know, you didn't have no background. Obviously, you had the, you know, the, you had the encouragement of your team, your investors. How did you then rise all the way to the top to becoming one of the you know, most talked about you know, female entrepreneur in India? How did that happen? Oh. Uh- I will answer you. I just want to say one thing, though, and I think that's important for uh, all the women out there, that whenever we think of giving something up, we take it as a failure and guilt seeps in. It's a it's an emotion which is very specific to women. OK, and that is something which, you know, you should tell all your women as a business coach the first throw that away because there are really two types of people out there. And it is literally true. The first type wants work-life balance, wants to enjoy life and does not need success at the workplace to 
feel good about themselves. That's mm. the first type of person. And the second type of person is that they don't care about anything. For them, success means everything. So if you're the second type, then forget about all this balance and all these things, right? You need to work hard. And when you've taken the decision, just like you said, to earn wealth, to grow something big, that is the time that you need to get all the guilt away from yourself and say, okay, I'm just going to focus on this here. I don't think in today's day and age, it should be an issue that we should even think about that it is uh, something to be guilty about that, you know, you couldn't go for your child's PTM or you couldn't stay home and make the menu for the week or whatever it is, right? So that is something uh, that I just wanted to put out there. And uh, that is the difference between scalable businesses and non-scalable businesses and why women don't choose uh, very highly scalable businesses. Uh, but now coming to how I scaled. Um, before, before we actually, let me really pause there because you said something very important and I thought I would deal with this very quickly. You said, forget about this whole thing about work-life balance whilst you're trying to scale. And this is a conversation I actually had with my wife. And my wife said to me, there was a day my wife said to me, you know, we're having a chat. She's like, I love you very much. You're a good entrepreneur. You're a good CEO. And, you know, and this was before she actually made that transition. She's like, oh, life will balance. And I said, I am busy building us a future, a for, you know, a, an empire that we're still very young, that when we look back maybe five, 10 years from now, we will balance life later. Yeah, All right. Because, absolutely. We balance it And it's coming from a very successful entrepreneur as a female entrepreneur. I really want you to is this is this is this is this real that there is life work balance where you're trying to grow or where you're trying to scale? Or is it like uh, is it an illusion? You know, is it an illusion that yes, you know, or is it something let's dig into this. Just I really want you to go back into this and just because you mentioned as it being a vital element of what phase, what entrepreneur you are, are you as a female? Because forget about everything. It's almost like burning the bridges and say, listen, is it that we succeed? I succeed as a female entrepreneur or nothing. I want you to go into that a little bit. So let me give you an example, right? Hmm. Uh, if we are building, if we are a doctor, suppose there's a lady who's a doctor and she wants to build her own practice. You could also say she's a bit of an entrepreneur, right? Because yes. she doesn't want to work. And she wants to work for herself. So the first couple of years, she will focus on getting her clients because that's what she needs to do and building that word of mouth. During that time, she can't think of work-life balance, right? And especially being a doctor, if a, if a, you know, a patient is calling at 2 a.m., she's got to take that call, right? But as a doctor, maybe after 10 years, because the practice is so established, she could take a back seat and she could say, no, I don't need any more clients. I don't need to take somebody's call at 2 a.m. I'm going to say I work only these number of hours. And if you see in all professional uh, uh, streams, lawyer, doctor, chartered accountants, this happens and they just keep charging more and more for the same service, right? Mm. They can do it. Now, think about the life of, say, Elon Musk. I, I really uh, like him, so I give this example. Oh, about he's, he's such so, a great entrepreneur. So take his example. I don't see him doing work-life balance even while he's a billionaire. Do, do, do we see that? Mm -mm. Uh, 
no he's still sleeping on his factory shop floor he's still trying to make the numbers work for tesla i mean he's still doing everything he's still trying to take over twitter and all that so my whole point is that for a person who believes that there is not you know you have also pegged your success at a particular point if you have pegged your success to be a person like an elon musk a jeff bezos a steve jobs the guys who have never stopped for them then there is no work life balance okay it's not that the minute you stop and you say work life balance is more important to me your growth will also stop and you should also again be okay with that right that you are not going to grow beyond a point unless you are a professional on your own unless you stop if you stop and you are more keen on having i want to work 4 hours a day who can say i want to work 4 hours a day only professionals and only people who are in jobs we can't there is no way i want to not work on saturday and sunday i'm telling you and i want everybody to hear this from me i do not want to work on a saturday and sunday every saturday and sunday i'm working and there is something that is happening someone has called me and i will return that person's call no matter what the fact that it is a sunday i will do it so we're always working so this work life balance type of scenario uh doesn't quite exist and that really doesn't mean that you don't take breaks by the way there is a very different concept of work life balance and there is a very different concept of breaks because breaks are something that all entrepreneurs should take they should take frequently they should take whenever they feel burnt out they should take a break that is something which you can easily do but that is not called work life balance taking a break and going to the spa for the whole day is not work life balance it is that you need to detox and you need to know the answer to a question that is bugging you you know in some which way so uh, you can take breaks but the minute you start thinking about work life balance growth will stop the moment you start thinking about life work balance growth will stop wow i'm definitely going to get the team to make sure they take this session of this podcast as a quote because that's so pow- powerful the moment you stop start thinking about life for balance the growth stop and the reason why i'm really pondering on this is because you know i really want to encourage a lot of female startups you know and you've done really well you know building a global business so all the way from india and you're managing a business in india and you're also managing a business in the united states of america so that means you are working on two work clocks Okay. Yes. <laughs> you so when because when America is sleeping, all right? You know, you're working in your India time. When India is sleeping, you're working in American time. How did you I think I'm going to talk about the success is coming, but I think we should talk about these challenges more because I think this will be empowering to a lot of females who when they start to gain some 10,000 pounds in their successes, all they want to do now is buy the louis vuitton bags go on the you know splash a lot of money on holidays you know stop spending about 10000 pounds you know on on their hair yes you've got to look after yourself and you're basically not growing the business but you're spending the business income on yourself now obviously there is a lifestyle entrepreneur and there's an entrepreneur who is looking to scale or rather grow scale in business or there there will be an entrepreneur who will be the you know self employed entrepreneur all right and there's all these different faces of of entrepreneurship 
But for yeah. females, one of the end goal of an of, of most females looking to get into business, usually for me, I haven't spoken to a lot of female entrepreneurs, is they're sold of this idea that they get into entrepreneurs entrepreneurship, their life is gonna change in one year. I teach wealth and I teach success, and I say in order to, to even think about wealth and success in the first place, a five-year plan, you know, and I think there isn't a lot of, you know, I think the world is crying right now for female entrepreneurs because my wife, ever since she become an entrepreneur, there's a lot of things that is working in my life better than it worked before. I totally think the, the world is calling for it. Um, do, do me and my wife disagree and, you know, all the time about our visions about the business? Yes, we do. However, I say to her, it is, I have this vision of what we can build in this business. So, and every single day is how do I align her into this vision that she clearly understands? Because I know she gets the vision completely, which she gets already though. But if she gets it completely and don't worry about her vision, and we can go in that one vision, there is a lot that can be created because I totally believe even the world needs couples as entrepreneurs who can actually come and give them the challenges they face as entrepreneur, the challenges they face as a single, you know, in entrepreneur in the marriage, because sometimes it can, could also be very, you know, very degrading to the man where the man thinking, Oh, I am the man. Uh, you, I married you as my wife. You know, and you having all these different things affecting the life work balance that we're talking about. And then some women then say, okay, we've got to just balance it. Like you said, the moment you stop growing, then you die. The moment you start to think about that love, you know, life work balance is going to automatically frustrate the intention in the first instant, isn't it? So I really want you to come from a viewpoint where a lot of startup female entrepreneurs, whether they're going to look into the entrepreneurship phase as a lifestyle, the entrepreneurship phase as a startup, I really want to encourage them because you haven't had it easy in over eight years. You made this transition since 2014. You haven't had it easy. But regardless, you had milestones that, 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 that allows you never to quit. And I'm probably I'm going to be asking you another questions later, but let's hang it, that, let's hang it there at the minute and let me see you know, what, what, what your, you know, you know, what your dimension or where, what angle you're going to come from. I, uh, you know, I feel uh, that, and women usually are pretty self-aware. Okay. So I believe that they should very early on know this about themselves. Are you very ambitious or are you happy with, some amount of growth, maybe the Louis Vuitton bags. By the way, I've gone through that entire phase, so everybody goes through that. I'm, I'm okay with that as well. Um, but, um, you know, again, it's a phase, I, I swear. It comes, you know, you, you, your initial success is, that's all you want to do with the money because you have no time. So to compensate for the time, you buy those bags and you spend that money because you don't have actually the time to, to do anything really. So um, so that's okay. But the point is you should be self-aware. You should know uh, what you like. And I have absolutely no problems with uh, somebody saying that, look, I don't want to be that ambitious. I don't want to be that big. I don't want to be the industrialist. That's perfectly fine. That's absolutely fine. When somebody says that, you should tailor your uh, advice and your mentor, uh, you know, your mentoring ability to that particular facet. 
for example in my case a lot of people come and say we're starting this lovely restaurant because i'm in hospitality right so they they think that uh, you know i'd i'd be interested and so they'd ask me that you know we're starting this restaurant and i'm like oh is it like a you know is it like something that can scale or is it like a fast food place and then they'll be like no no it's a specialty place and yes it can scale and it can grow to maybe about two three restaurants see everybody's concepts are different right Yeah. so to uh, that person scale means two three restaurants is great scale yeah. yeah so what i do is that i say look i don't even understand that mindset i don't understand that business i don't understand that mindset uh, mindset and i'm sure that person makes more money than me by the way mm. as it turns out there's nothing uh, money is something which is a completely different dynamic to the two personalities in in entrepreneurship so uh my point is that when that happens i sort of excuse myself and say listen you know what i don't even know how to build that business because i haven't ever done it i only understand things which can be scaled like a mcdonalds that's all i understand i don't understand these other businesses and so go to the right set of people so i don't have any problem in uh, what lifestyle they choose and i don't have a problem you know uh, especially in a couple you always find uh, that one person is more ambitious than the other and that dynamic works really great it works really great because the other person will actually there will be times when you need the help and they will be compromising on their job or their role or whatever and helping you out because they know that you're the more ambitious one so i i don't think that's a problem at all i think that's great um but at the end of the day i'm very driven by one particular sentiment and that is that people should really get to do what they want it's mm. just that they should know what they want that's all so if you are self aware and if you know that look you know if i earn say you know 1 lakh pounds a year i am happy i can do the uh, louis vuitton bags i can spend money on my hair and this is what i want to do i'm so happy with that that's great it all it means is you know who you are and you know how you want to build it out and i feel that's absolutely fine like i told you in india also most of the women who are, we quote as 14% uh, are women entrepreneurs in india are all this category they are all either lifestyle businesses or they are in the rural sector they just want to make additional income to what their husbands are doing they want to make income that can substantiate that income they are not looking at being the front earners at all that's perfectly fine that's absolutely okay but on the other hand if she is looking at a very uh, at a business that is going to scale that is going to grow like crazy then she needs a huge support system a huge ecosystem to come to her uh, support because the other things will take a back seat and and um, i do feel now people are more um, i mean trust me in india you know it's it's very strange because you will go to the most well known women entrepreneur and ask her oh my god you know i saw that you know your you and your husband are separated i mean so god right so it's also a thing where uh, you should know what you want and you really can't have everything it's a fact so you just need to know what you want that's it so i think in this particular domain i'd say be self aware and then do exactly what you want to do so should women be ambitious or should they play safe there is no such thing it just comes from inside you you are like i said i never thought of saying no when somebody told me to do this because i have always been ambitious you know i when uh, if you uh, talk to my friends and i'm always like so i'll come back to you when i'm win the nobel prize do you think this this essay is good enough for nobel prize of literature i use the nobel prize word maybe 
two, three times a day. So you already know what I'm thinking about, right? I mean, I may not make it there, but my goals are big. There no may be other no people who want to play safe. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's it's really not a gender thing anymore. And this thing that you said about more women entrepreneurs to be out there, let me tell you about that also. It's not about playing safe. If there is a woman entrepreneur who wants to play safe, it's great. Join another startup and play your role in it. Okay, so there are a lot of women I know who are in the corporate workplace um, who wanted this flexibility. They wanted, you know, to try something new. So I said, okay, join a startup. Everybody need not start a startup. Yeah, you can join another person's startup, support another woman, try and help them. And it's it's a good mix of um, working, but at the same time, not having the onus of getting the money in or pulling the money in. So you can do that as well. The thing that I really feel about women entrepreneurs, and actually I feel that about male entrepreneurs as well, it is not a question of gender. It's a question of diversity. They just are so complementary. And so a man thinks so differently and he will bring his perspective and a woman thinks so differently. She will bring her perspective. They will always fight. But the takeaway is that you are stronger. So I see that that's what women should do. Even if they don't want to start their own startup, be part of the founding team at some other startup. Yeah, It doesn't matter. That's where I feel women can play a role. Wow. Thank you so much for really digging into that because I really wanted to just, you know, just give a lot of value on this episode. Now, let's talk about a success. You know, let's really talk about a success. Uh, so how... Did you just start to emerge, you know, quite very successful? Uh, you know, I know you've been on this journey for the last eight years. We've talked about so many angles of challenges that somehow, you, obviously, you've, you know, you've spoken about how you've overcome them. We've even gone in through life war balance that doesn't exist because if it existed, it would have halted your ambition. And it could be one of the things out there that obviously holds people back because people are trying to balance <laughs> How did this trajectory for success realistically began? Was it at year one? Was it at year two? And how proud are you? Year one was terrible. <laughs> year one was really tough. Uh, okay, so, uh, well, I'll tell you a little bit about the maths of it and then we can get go on uh, to other areas. So, uh, when I started, we decided that we will uh, do very small numbers. So, we'll take a, in fact, there were already some properties that were working with us when I stepped in. I actually scaled that down. There were 15. I kept the top five. And for one year, we just focused on the business model. What would we do in those properties? How would they look? What the employees would do? And all that. So we built out the business model for one year. It was also a lot of fun. Because, uh, you know, we were constantly traveling to these places and we had to make all sorts of decisions on how did the signboard look? What did the uniforms look like? So it was a lot of fun, no doubt. Uh, that was not the year that we were focusing on scale. That mm. was the year where we were building our story. What would we talk, say to the, because it was directly a B2C business. So we had to very quickly on figure out what our communication will be to the customer, how we position ourselves in the market. Um, and hospitality isn't as if it's a new industry. It's a, it's a well known, well-branded industry. Um, the only difference in our business model uh, was that we were looking at uh, going offbeat. So we were not doing tourist location. We were cre uh, looking at creating tourist uh, destinations. That was very much the tough part of the business. But also, like I said, a lot of fun uh, because uh, the first year was really very creative, uh, you know, and it required a lot of creative focus. And I 
now when i look back at it uh, feel that uh, that was actually the best time because uh, intrinsically i am creative so i like that part uh, from the second year onwards we decided we will scale but even the scaling we decided we'll do it in a step wise manner so we would uh, take five more resorts stabilize yeah. them get them to revenue on then take the next five and do it like that in the next year onwards we decided that okay we can really go large because now we had a portfolio of more than 35 properties so we said okay let's really start scaling and then we started taking 10 10 properties every month and we could uh, you know we had a huge team and we had lots and lots of people who were working on this so um, that's really how uh, you know the the whole story played out and the initial decisions of stepwise growth and everything was quite good they were really uh, great decisions that we took at that time um apart from that uh, we were never profitable right the properties were earning money but we had such a large staff and we would have broken even at a level of about 300 400 properties now this is the time when you will realize was the time of the valuation led businesses so uh, all we had to do was keep raising successive rounds of capital so that our valuation keeps growing so most of my time really went into that so from year maybe say 3 onwards i was really focused on raising money rather than really running the business per se hmm. and uh, growing uh, growing the valuation uh, you know and so on and so forth so uh, that is pretty, pretty much the story um, you call it successful let me tell you that there are four or five such similar companies we all got funded together and wow. let me tell you i grew i i didn't grow as large as those guys did there were three companies um you must have heard of oyo i don't know if you've ever heard of the story yeah, of no, oyo yeah no oyo is quite big in london right so like i said i never grew as big as they they grew oyo is was my competitor right and uh, but ultimately they also turned out to be good for me because they were all in business category i was always in the leisure category and they also turned out to be the guys who i would ultimately sell the business to so so that way it it turned out okay uh but like if you you know so like i say when when you're in it when you're in the journey you don't term anything as successful so you're saying it's successful i don't know how you what you're pegging it at we were pegging it at those guys so every time i raised 10 million they had raised 1 billion and i'm just like dude how do i even compete so you know uh, later on after covid happens and after you stress it back like oh yeah i did pretty well okay people didn't know about it but when you're in it you know honestly uh, yeah you, you don't realize these things you never take a minute to celebrate the good things and yeah. that is something which i want to take a concerted effort in uh, in fact this year that uh, whenever something good happens to us we focus on okay now let's look at what is the work that is to be done to execute this good thing that is happening mm. to us we never take a moment to really sit down and celebrate and think oh wow i've actually done this that never happened and i think that was some a mistake again that i made i think that you should always take time to enjoy your successes because it's very fleeting the next day you'll have a new problem to grapple with right so uh, so one should take that time so yeah so that's how uh, that's how we grew and that's how we made it thank, th- th- thank you so much for going into that and you don't have to answer this but for the for the audience because we we spoke about a lot of challenges i wanted to really be inspired because you started this venture in 2014 you know and when i read about you i don't want to i don't i don't want to mention it but i want to ask you the question because i want people to see how a small little business you know 
grew from £50,000 investment into as big as it is now. So first of all, let's talk about the portfolio. How large is the portfolio? That's number one. And as well as what is the, what is the valuation of your organization at the moment? Oh, so uh, uh, at the moment, I actually sold out the business in 2019, December, just before mm. COVID happened. And the idea was to stay there, grow it out even further, go for an IPO, all public, take the company public, all the, the good things that, you know, founders think and dream about. Uh, that didn't happen because of COVID. So I left the company. Uh, but uh, at the time when we sold it, we had uh, about 200 properties across 21 states in India. And we had uh, so very, very geographically dispersed. Yeah. Um, and we had about 3,000 rooms under inventory. Uh, we had about 3,000 people working with us. And wow. we had about 100 people at the corporate level. It was a huge manpower-centric business, uh, you know, again, which when I look back at it, it was operationally, it was extremely uh, challenging. And uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was definitely at scale. Uh, we never really talk about our valuations, but just to give you some numbers uh, and so that you can make your own assumptions. So we've raised about $17 million in the company so far. And wow. usually you would know that, uh, you know, companies are valued at about four or five times of the amount that they raise. So that gives you a ballpark answer of both. So from a little child as a business, so the little child is the business here, right? So just my own way of kind of illustrating things. So the little child, the little baby that was born in 2014 that said, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And having a team supporting me, you went into, you know, growing a business that the valuation was 70 million you know, you know, over $17 million before you exited on that strategy. Wow. Yeah. Over 3,000 staffs. Wow. <laughs> so you can see what, if you had, if you had gone with your limited belief, that would have never happened. Yeah, absolutely. If you had, if you had thought, oh, I'm a female, I can't do this. I belong to the kitchen. I belong to, raising the kids. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted, I wanted to really, you know, close in this, to be honest, I think this is such a way to kind of, uh, as we, you know, go towards the end of this episode, definitely we're going to be bringing you back. I know we're going to be doing an Instagram life as well. It just shows that the only thing that can stop you is self. Anyone has got what it takes to build a multi-million pound business, a multi-million business even a vision of even becoming a billionaire. Now, let's actually now go into, so once you sold the, the business, you've not become an agent investor, and as well as you've, you have, you, you ha currently have a travel, uh, uh, you're also in the travel industry, and as well as many of the hats that you're currently wear, wear, wearing. So I, I'm sure exiting a business at 17 million gives you a lot of, you know, gives you a lot of new mountain to climb gives you a new energy because if I've done it before, I can do it again. This is success. Success compounds, right? Absolutely. Success yes. compounds. The same way poverty, poverty also compounds. If you do one thing good and long enough, it will compound and you will enjoy the effect. If you do one thing bad enough, it will compound and you become bad. So yeah. growing a business and scaling a business to a valuation of about 
excess of 70 million and now you're you know angel investor how's that going uh, so, in fact, um, I am now no longer in the travel industry. I am uh, more focused on uh, on sustainability. Mm. Uh, and uh, I thought the best way to do that was to find out what's happening in the industry. And, uh, you know, in India, if you are an investor or an angel investor, you'll find a lot of people who come to you, talk to you about your ideas. Uh, so I do uh, co-invest uh, with uh, some funds because I didn't know how to invest and I have no idea what company makes money, what doesn't. It's my learning phase right now. So I... Uh, I'm not really allowed to take too many names, but I do work with uh, some of the largest funds out there and I co-invest with them. So in a way, I'm actually training myself now to understand what is, uh, you know, how you take a call on which company to invest in. At the present time, if somebody asks me, I have no clue. I, I can't say I know. But I do know that I have invested in some companies and they're doing well, but you also know that... Um, the climate tech industry is becoming very prominent. It's a big industry and uh, the, the the capital is increasing in this space. So yeah. um, honestly, I mean, the companies that are coming out, uh, I mean, the venture scale ones, the ones high on innovation uh, will anyways be doing well because uh, the, you know, this is, this is the right time to be in this space so i'm very focused on being it uh, being in uh, investing around only climate tech uh, not uh, in any other sector because i want to learn more about this space great again all, wow. all learning yeah, wow. for me yeah, everything it, i'm learning yeah, I mean, you, know, you always have to be learning. You always have to be learning because if you're not growing, you're literally dying. So, Adita, Aditi, as we finish this episode, just give me five, five very solid, you know, um, points on. I think I really want to tailor this episode to a lot of females because I want a lot of females to be inspired. Just give me five fire rounds of any sort of advice you want to give. Number one, you want to give a startup. You want to give someone who is in their growth growth stage. Uh, I think startup and growth stage. Let's let's leave leave it that there. And you know, we'll, we'll have another episode. Where we'll talk about how to grow, how to thrive in a business. But for anyone, for any female listening right now, you know, whether in the real estate industry because you were once in the industry, uh, whether in the short stay industry because you was in there, res, resort, you know, resorts as well. You was there as well, and so on and so forth. So just five very solid advice you know, that you want to give anyone listening right now that could enable them literally not look down on themselves or embrace their limits and beliefs, but however, to go out there to, to realize they've got more inside of them. Sure. Um, okay. I'm going to count five. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to do it for you. Okay, cool. So uh, I think the first thing that I'd like to say is that it is the best time to be a woman entrepreneur. Uh, the reason for that is that, like yourself, there are a lot of um, networks, incubators, accelerators that are only for women that are literally teaching you the skills to become a woman entrepreneur that were not available during my time and were not available to, um, you know, for the larger subset. And if you want to be a woman entrepreneur, you join these and you see the life of the others before you take that plunge. You see you have to remember that women are risk averse. So it's fine. We deal with that by saying that there are already a lot of networks. And so if you feel you can be a woman entrepreneur, join them so that you can see, you can 
uh, prepare yourself for what's going to happen and you can pick up those key skills right so that is the first thing the second thing is like we brought up in this episode there are different sort of women entrepreneurs and it is absolutely fine to be any one that you want to be right yep. you want to be the scaling one you want to be the lifestyle one you want to do it on, at a very small scale so like think about um, in india you know we have this service where housewives uh, are making food for their husbands so they just make more and then they package it it's called the tiffin service and then they actually send those meals to other people in homes who don't have cooks or who want a homemade meal basically who are single who are staying alone so uh, you know so even businesses like that which is you're just getting that extra income and you feel independent i think you should go for it you should completely go for it uh, that is the second thing that i would like to say the third thing that i would like to say is that um, being curious is one of the it's is actually the best or it's maybe one of the best traits uh, uh, to be a woman entrepreneur so if you're constantly learning and if you're curious about finding a method to solve a problem that's the only time you should become an entrepreneur not forget about woman only time to be an entrepreneur because you figure out a problem and you know how to solve it and that's what matters so there are people who reach out to me and say can you give us a good idea for a startup see that's a big cross there because if you can't think of your own idea don't be an entrepreneur you know i mean um entrepreneurship is not for the lifestyle entrepreneurship yeah. is because you're doing something that you either really love or uh, you have found a specific problem and you want to be able to um, you know be able to scale it or be able to solve it actually um for women um i'm assuming it's it's the same everywhere because we believe uh, that success to us means a very uh, a whole a holistic sort of a picture so we have our families and you know we have other things happening in our life uh, i feel and i want to say that it is absolutely fine to give them priority it is absolutely fine to um, you know give them um, time and and space and it only means that you don't want to that either you put your startup on on uh, you know uh, a back burner which makes no sense or you basically are okay to scale very slowly now such businesses let me say do not get funded so these are not venture scale businesses but it doesn't matter venture scale businesses have a theory which says that you need to become the unicorn so even if you don't become the unicorn and you reach 100 million pound that's good yeah it's fine you didn't make it to the <laughs> unicorn club but you made it somewhere right so that's absolutely fine as well and i'm going to end with exactly what we discussed in this uh, in this podcast that you know um if you are interested in doing a venture scale business then let me tell you you're putting everything on the back burner you're going to be focused on it it's not as if your life will change dramatically in 10 years even if you make it to the unicorn club there'll be some new problems that you're grappling with all the time and it is intensive uh but it is really about what you want if that is your desire and if that is you want to be the indra noi right so then do it go and be it and uh, and please leave the guilt okay i i get very irritated with this word when people say i'm guilty that i couldn't do this no just leave the guilt if you if you have the guilt it's not going to happen so if you have the guilt you don't belong to that club right 
So I think I covered five points. Wow, wow, wow. Amazing, 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 Aditi, for those very solid advice. And the one biggest thing that I picked from that is put everything else on the back burner. Burn the bridges, all right? And just burn the bridges and go out and win because until you win the battle, there is no going back. In fact, you know, the story about the burning the bridges was when this captain took people to an island and he says, we're only going to fight. And there is no going back, you know, because we're only going to fight and we're only going to win. And it's so important that once you begin this mission, as Aditi mentioned here, whether you've been an entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneur who is thinking about lifestyle, you know, for just having that luxury style, regardless, go and rise all the way to the top. Aditi, it's been amazing, amazing having you at the Wealth and Business Podcast. And I'm looking to bring you back. Definitely, I'm going to be bringing you back you know, especially to our UK audience, because in our UK audience here, we are very, um, we do everything safe and we are very risk reversed. Uh, is a reversed country, is a very risk reverse, you know, female community. And I do believe that, you know, whilst I was doing this episode, honestly, you have just made me gonna go out there to literally want to impact the female entrepreneurship industry, you know, and, and whilst I'm, whilst I'm talking to you, you've given me so much that I've never spoken to a female entrepreneur who scaled the business of 70 million. And when I read about, when I read about all these different things about you, you know, on the media, whilst I was doing a little bit of my research, you know, to have a conversation, I'm like, so blown away. I'm like, I've never spoken to a female business entrepreneur that made a transition into growing a business that big, raising different phases of funds. You know, I'm quite very big on OPM. So, and, and, and this just, this is going to give us our second episode is good guys. Make sure you'll be ready for the second episode because these are the things what we're going to be talking about, you know, raising money and, you know, all these different things. A lot of things has come out from this and I'm so super fired up, excited to have you on the next episode, uh, which will be probably coming up soon. Adita, Thank you so, so much uh, for taking out your time. I know it's late, coming to about late in India now because of the time difference. And thank you so much. How can people reach you? How can people reach you? I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I think that's the best way to reach me. Uh, So people do reach me on LinkedIn and ask me their questions, even on Instagram, actually. On Instagram also, you can reach me. But on LinkedIn, I'm I'm more active on answering questions around entrepreneurship. So feel free to reach me either on LinkedIn or uh, Insta. Thank you so much. And it's been great pleasure having you. And we'll see you soon again. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Daniel.